Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. Hello, and today's guest is an exceptional woman who has been featured on Forbes, Business Insider, Thrive Global, and Entrepreneur Magazine. She is a leadership and life coach, certified hypnotherapist, and best-selling author. She has established a fulfilling career helping people generate meaningful connections with themselves and others that catapult them forward in their career and life. To date, Stephanie has helped thousands of people celebrate their strengths, step into their authentic confidence, and make meaningful connections. Let's welcome Stephanie Torma to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, Christy. Thank you for having me. I am so happy you are here. I am so excited to learn all about how to create connections, better connections. Yes. I mean, especially in this day and age with so much in flux, the feelings of disconnection are very real. So yes, I'm happy to talk about that. All right. Well, can you share what you do to our listeners? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. Typically when people read my bio, there's you know, what you presented, right? That I'm a life coach and I've also worked in the career coaching space and I've hosted over 1000 events, but what people don't always see and don't always know, unless they read my book, Confident Introvert, is that it wasn't always like that. There wasn't always this feeling of connection and community in my life. So yeah, basically one of the catalysts for embarking upon this adventure of hosting over 1000 events was this feeling of disconnection. Growing up, I remember feeling like this sense of uncertainty around if there was a place in the world for me and if I would find it, if I could find it. And I pretty much kept myself at school because I thought, you know, why put myself out there with that uncertainty, that scariness, right? Of like, how will I be received? Just in case it's negative, let's just kind of not, let's not even try, right? So, so that was the experience for a lot of my childhood right? And then it wasn't until I got an invitation to join the cross-country team when I was automatically plugged in, this is in high school, to a community of like-minded peers who, like, they like to study, they like to run, (laughs) you know, those were a couple of things that I liked. And I began to, um, yeah, just kind of build confidence through leadership, being the team captain, of the cross-country team, my second year on the team. And from there in college, I also took on event-centric roles where um, I hosted different community events, got involved in radio news and became really 
fascinated by and interested in creating community, not just for myself, but for other people, because I know what it's like firsthand to not feel that sense of deeply rooted connection. And it became so empowering to learn through action that I could make it for myself and other people. So now, you know, we're, we're out of formal schooling, you know, not in high school, not in college. And ever since that point in time, I went into the business world and decided, okay, let's, let's create community on a different scale. So I still, and this is of course, you know, 2019 and before. (laughs) So I was hosting events for fun with, I had a potluck series where every single month there were different themed potlucks. And I had a few hundred people in that Facebook group that would meet in person in San Francisco. But in addition to that, uh, I served on the board of the Young Professionals of San Francisco, hosting and curating different events, including speaker series and uh, networking events, connection games, and, and things like that. I, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions you have about that experience. But in, in a nutshell, it's been quite the journey of feeling like this sense of being connected to something greater was not very accessible when it took a lot of different mindset shifts and shifts in my actions to get different reactions and to create a whole new reality and experience of being alive. It sounds like you transformed your entire mindset from someone who was completely introverted to someone who's outgoing, just making it happen, having different you know social events and connecting and rubbing elbows with people and just making things happen from someone who was, and how do you transform from someone who is so left-sided all the way over to someone so right-sided and very open and extroverted if someone would look at you now today would think that you are. Yes. And so one of the things that I stand for actually is that these labels that we give ourselves or that people give us of that person's an introvert, that person's an extrovert. A lot of people are not totally clear on the definition So introverts get their energy from solitude, let's say reading, writing, uh, and then extroverts tend to get their energy from more active activities. Like let's say going to a concert, going to um, a group gathering. And that doesn't mean that people that get their energy from solitude can't still be really social. It just means that there's going to be a point in time when they hit a wall and realize, okay, I need to go home. My energy is depleted. So yeah, when it comes to making making that shift, one of the things that really helped me was not taking those labels too seriously because in certain situations, I would be labeled an extrovert. In some situations, I'd be labeled an introvert. And it's like, you know, I know how I show up. I know how I feel. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes different situations bring out different sides of us and enliven us or drain us. And it's not necessarily totally, you know, one way or the other. Although I know that it can can seem like that at first glance, but um, another really important thing for this transformation was getting rid of the idea that that I had to be something other than what I naturally am and how I naturally show up. So, at least in my experience growing up, and many of my clients now have expressed this experience of growing up wishing to be extroverted, wishing to be that person that's always excitedly raising their hand and making small talk with a bunch of people before class or before work. And 
this can be something that you train yourself to do if you really do wish to show up in this way, but having that baseline acceptance of, oh, okay, like this is how I naturally show up. And is it comfortable or is it not? Because I know for me, I did want to be more social than I was growing up, but I didn't quite have the tools and the skills and the mindset yet. So yes, the one main takeaway, if your listeners take anything away, it's understanding who you are and accepting it. And that's the base for where change can happen. Right. And I totally understand what you're, what you're coming from. I am totally an introvert, but anyone who meets me think I am a total extrovert. I just know when to go home. <laughs> I know, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to work the room, but when to stop and just, you know, head out the back door and go home, mm-hmm. my energy is about to be depleted. And so you work with tons of people like this. Now, fast forward 2020, lots of things have changed. A lot of people are required to be at home. What changes have you seen in people nowadays that they're required to be introverted, even if they're not? They're required to not have a social life, not to go see their friends, not to go to events. Networking events are pretty much mostly online now. Yes, yes. So so with the transition online and with, let's say, limited outdoor activities available, people are taking this time to really hone in on who's my tribe. And it's becoming more about quality versus quantity for everybody. But also people who naturally got their energy from solitude, they're not immune from feeling the effects of this situation. That's pretty extreme, right? Because ultimately we're all social beings and we all require some time with other people. There's so much to unpack (laughs) with all the changes that have happened. Now, where does a hypnotherapist come from or play a part in all of this? Do you help your your students kind of get over the effects that they're experiencing by being in solitude, being by themselves for so long, using hypnotherapy? Yes. Okay. So just to clarify, not all of my clients identify as introverted. Some are extroverts. And what it comes down to is I tend to work with people who feel like there's something in their life that's holding them back. And maybe it's something external, or maybe they recognize it as being internal. uh, And we get to the root of, okay, all that we can control is you. You can control your own thoughts, but we need to make those subconscious thoughts conscious to be able to work on them. So my journey into hypnotherapy began when I attended a conference, uh, a personal and professional development leadership conference several years ago, and I ended up attending a group hypnosis session. And I did not plan on attending this session. The only reason why I ended up attending was because I ended up at lunch, everyone mixes and mingles, and there aren't the sort of name tags where you know where everyone works or what their title is. It's it's not about that at this particular type of conference. So I remember sitting next to this woman, we had a great conversation. And then right after lunch, she was on stage saying, Hey, come to my breakout session. I'm leading a group hypnosis. And I I had thought that I was going to go the more traditional marketing PR track and go, go to all of those sessions. But I thought, you know, I just spoke with her for an hour. I had a great conversation and she's leading the session. Let's just see what this is about. And what I found was in that experience, I was hypnotized. And it's one of those things where I didn't know that it was possible for me. I thought, oh, I'm much too strong-willed. But establishing that level of rapport with her and speaking with her for an hour allowed me to trust her. 
with this experience. That's really a crucial component of being receptive to hypnosis is allowing yourself to trust and and let go in this way where um, it feels like a meditation, like a deep meditation, the the experience of hypnosis. And yeah, so so I had that experience and it was pretty undeniable that um, I was in a very deeply relaxed state, more than your typical meditation. So I, I knew I'm like, wait, there's something to this. I haven't felt this relaxed in a very long time. And from there, I got my own hypnotherapist that I would see regularly to, you know, unpack some of my own stuff, always learning and growing. And then I ended up signing up for a program at the Hypnotherapy Training Institute in California and did their 200 hour in-person training. And from there it's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's really helped differentiate my offering from let's say another coach's offering because there's only so much work that can be done on the surface. And when we're asking questions to someone, point blank questions, of course, there are certain questions that can be open-ended and help unlock certain, you know, hidden thoughts that previously were subconscious, but it just takes longer than going through hypnosis. There's this heightened level of receptivity where you're able to allow the person you're working with to unlock more information. So then you have more to work with and you can get quicker results when it comes to, wait, like what's holding me back? How do I want to show up? So for example, confidence. So one of my clients, current clients, in one of our sessions, she became more conscious of her self-talk. So for example, looking in the mirror and she told me, wait a second, when I look in, whenever I look in the mirror, I always say really negative things to myself. And she never noticed it before. But when you start doing hypnosis, even if it's for an an entirely different topic or different subject, things that were previously subconscious become more conscious for you in, in your walking life. So what she was able to do was reframe. So she's aware now when I look at myself in the mirror, I think, oh, and then maybe XYZ thought follows that. And now looking in the mirror becomes a trigger for intentionally thinking positive thoughts. Oh, great. So you use hypnotherapists to help your clients get faster and better results. And more enduring because it is at a root level, these sorts of thoughts that are able to surface. So for example, if you're working on your confidence and if you're just speaking about what you're consciously aware of, it may take longer or you may never realize that you always have certain thoughts when you're looking in the mirror, for example. So um, affirmation, just saying affirmation to look on the vision board is totally different. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I, I appreciate that you brought up affirmations because towards the end, there's a trick that I have with how to create your perfect affirmation. Oh, awesome. You're going to share that with our listeners. So it's called the coin bridge. It's this concept of let's say your conscious thought that is heads on a coin and then tails, the flip side is your ideal thought, what you'd rather think. So let's say that the thought that you're conscious of is I am horrible. And then the flip side of that, your tails that you'd you'd like to believe and like to, to think is true is I'm wonderful. I, or I'm a person of high value, high worth, you know, whatever that looks like for you, whatever the flip side is. But oftentimes what happens when people go about uh, identifying 
what affirmation they want to tell themselves. So let's say they stop there. They stop with the flip of a coin and don't go over the bridge. So this is what that looks like. Someone who authentically thinks that that they're horrible, telling themselves over and over again, I'm amazing, I'm wonderful, and it falling flat. It doesn't work. They don't believe it. So what the coin bridge is, is it acts as a bridge from heads to tails Imagine a visual, right, of a coin with a very tiny bridge. And what that bridge is, is a neutral statement. So, for example, if your ideal thought is, I'm amazing, but then you're actually consciously thinking, I'm horrible, maybe the bridge is something like, I'm okay. That sounds reasonable. So something that that consciously and subconsciously, where you're meeting in the middle, And it doesn't mean you're going to stay there, but you start with that bridge and that becomes your affirmation to neutralize this toxic positivity that isn't true or taking into account the the true feelings that you have, but it's also not staying stuck where you are and getting to a place where you can really believe. And then your new heads, so to speak, is I'm okay. And then you have another bridge that you can create to get to the thought that best serves you that you'd most like to believe and think that will change how you show up in the world and interact with others. Yeah, that's a great idea. I know a lot of people who do affirmations will put something totally out in the left field, totally unrealistic goals. Like I'm a millionaire, multi-billionaire, and they're like broke. (laughs) But taking baby steps and baby steps and baby steps. And there's nothing that says that you can't, you know, win the lottery next day and win a million dollars and become a millionaire. Mm -hmm. But taking those baby steps and baby steps moving forward towards your goal, maybe more reachable. Yes. And I'm a total advocate, be idealistic, have those grand goals. But if you don't have a bridge in between that big goal and where you are, then that's how you stay stuck and lose the will to continue going towards that audacious goal. You get discouraged with the goal so large and so huge and overwhelming to you that you stop. Right. There's a quote that people, it's it's not by me, but I can't remember who it's by. It's this idea that people underestimate, oh, they overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10. That's a great um, way to put it, right? I guess so. People don't make their 10-year goals or five-year goals big enough, but in a year, they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to make $100,000 a year. And But when they're thinking about long-term goals, they don't. So it's something to consider. Yeah. Creating. And, and this isn't to say that you throw away the vision board for the year, uh, that that can still be a useful practice also, but thinking longer term, there's a website that I really like called futureme.org. And what you can do is you can write a vision statement or write about a day in your ideal life. And let's say that it's 10 years from today, really feel into what that looks like, what that feels like, what time you get up in the morning, the people that are in your life, the state of the world, just being very clear on what that looks like. You can write that down. Or if you want to use futureme.org, you can actually schedule an email to yourself for years in the future, and then you'll receive it. Yes. So I've been doing this for several years now. And sometimes, you know, for fun, um, I'll send an email, maybe one year in the future, five years in the future. And it's always really interesting to see the messages that your past self has for your future self. 
Oh, that's that's super cool. Super cool. Now, where would hypnosis come in all of this? So if you're making your affirmation, saying your affirmation, you have your vision board, you're saying using a coin bridge technique and you're not making your goals too big, what would the hypnosis or hypnotherapy fall into play to help someone to reach your goals? Basically, how I use hypnotherapy is in conjunction with my coaching practice. Basically, hypnosis expedites results, but this isn't to say that having that sort of dialogue is not, you still need that as well. It's, it's a holistic process. So for example, let's say a given month, if I'm meeting with someone weekly, for example, then maybe one of those meetings will be dedicated to a hypnosis session. If that, because typically I like to have the hypnosis take place in one session and then perhaps create a program for my clients to to listen to that track for a certain amount of time to further instill the experience. And a recommendation is also to journal right after the session to see what insights arise. I see how that can work. So you, you do life coaching, leadership coaching. So what kind of clients do you work with? The types of clients that I work with, they tend to be millennials or Gen Xers and going through some sort of transition. So right now that could describe all of us, couldn't it? So what differentiates the people that I work with from maybe just people going through transition who are ready to take full ownership and responsibility of their next steps, but realize that they need some sort of guidance because maybe their goals seem unrealistic or not very tangible, but Again, going back to this, breaking things down into baby steps, bite-sized pieces to be able to achieve these audacious goals that at first glance may not seem as achievable. Or, you know, let's say that the people in your immediate social circle are not thinking it's possible for you. Then it's really important to have someone in your corner who has perhaps achieved the things that you wish to and is able to guide you with a clear framework and consistent support, both in a tactical sense, that the tangible stuff like, oh, if you want this job, you should connect with this person, for example. But also the less tangible things, the more sort of mindset pieces that can oftentimes be neglected. Right. You know, there's a quote that says that you're only as successful as the most, the five closest friends that you hang around or something like that. Oh yeah. You are the product of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yes. Surround yourself with people, especially if you're on that journey to develop yourself and, you know, making strides in your life and transition to something, you know, more, more fulfilling, successful career or just life in general to be around people who also have good, fulfilling lives as well. So you have three tips that you had prepared for our listeners to share with them and to help them just really create these meaningful connections and to create better confidence and to celebrate their strengths. What are those? We talked about the coin bridge, so I won't go over that one again, but I'd also like to introduce a few concepts for my book, Confident Introvert. So the first concept that I'll outline is called your big light secret. And what that is, it's pretty much the opposite of a big dark secret, right? This thing that you, that you keep inside that you don't share with anyone because there's a lot of shame around it. 
basically what your big light secret is, is something that you think is shameful or something that you think you are really not good at is not your thing because perhaps maybe you got negative feedback and it could have been multiple times. It could have been maybe once, but someone gave you that feedback who you really respected and you've decided that because you got that one piece of negative feedback, that that would not be something for you to do in your life, right? So the process encourages you to take a look at, wait, what are my biggest weaknesses? What are what are the things that scare me the most that I feel like I can't do or I shouldn't do? And of course, there are some tactical things like riding a bike, but then there are other things that, that are less, you know, there is a certain way to ride a bike. You don't really contest that. But when it comes to dance, for example, maybe you're not a great ballerina, but you could be an amazing freestyle dancer. So just kind of thinking about how you define the things that you're not great at. And this I found can be really empowering. It was empowering for me. It's been empowering for my clients to reframe these things that we keep hidden, that we think are just like not our thing. Yes. So then there are a couple of other tips that I have, and they are more focused on our energy and technology because we are so plugged into technology Right now, I'll share another concept from from the book Confident Introvert called the tech-free code of 111. And what that is, is this advocates for taking a break from technology one hour out of the day, one day out of the week, and one week out of the year. One week out of the year and one time? Yeah. One consecutive week. So that is the kicker for a lot of people. I know people are like, okay, one hour a day. That seems doable before bed will really help you getting, not having that blue light. And then the one day out of the week, if you dedicate yourself to, let's say, well, of course, many of us need to, let's say, use our phone to get directions to go somewhere, but maybe that's the only reason that you use it. And you already, plans in advance, if there's someone that you're meeting up with, or maybe that's a solitary day. And then the one week you can be at a retreat or you can DIY your own retreat at home and just decide I'm going to be offline for this one week. And, And it can typically be easier to accomplish, let's say during the holiday season, assuming that you're not maybe it's like during that period of time when you're not actively running around doing things. I used to take one year, I mean, one one week off for a vacation on a cruise where I know that I had no signal on my phone to just completely disconnect from anything technology. And that was so relaxing. I didn't do it this mm. year because, you know, cruise ships were right. <laughs> for the year and still are. But yes, it was so re- rejuvenating to just really disconnect and just be, be and just have fun in a moment and enjoy an entire week, seven days away from everyone and away from everything. And there, even if I wanted to use my phone, I didn't get the phone package. Mm. You know, I wouldn't get the phone package. So I, so everyone could know that I am disconnected away from everyone. Yes, it's, a, it's a reset. It's a total reset. Yeah. In 2019, going into 2020, I attended a silent Vipassana meditation retreat where, yeah, no technology there. So it, there's just something about it that really helps you bring more of your full self into the experience that is life after that 
that week. Now, taking a step back to the the one hour a day, how do you use that one hour a day that you're tech free? So uh, this is my my third tip, and it's from the book Confident Introvert Again, and it is called the Daily Three to One. And what this will look like: imagine an upside down pyramid. So the very top is uh, 30 minutes of reading and ideally something for fun or that you enjoy, but let's say if you're enrolled in class, it can also be that it's fine. And then you'll follow that with 20 minutes of journaling. And this is free, right? Some people do appreciate having a journal prompt and you can certainly have a journal prompt for the 20 minutes, but I, I really like to keep things more free form because you never know what will come up when you just tell yourself, okay, I'm just going to write no judgment. And it could be about how your day was. And every now and then we have those nagging things in the back of our minds and we try to tell ourselves, oh, but that's not a big deal. But guess what? If it bothers you and even carries over into the next day, then for you, it is a big deal. And it's important to honor that. (laughs) And then the last 10 minutes is meditation. And again, you can choose to use an app like Headspace or Calm, Budify, one of those. But I am an advocate of lighting the candle and being in silence, being with your breath for those 10 minutes. And that can be a really soothing way to send yourself off into your sleep for the night. We all absolutely need all of these. (laughs) Absolutely. So the coin bridge technique, the big light secret, and the tech free code of 111. Those are absolutely amazing. And I will definitely be implementing each of these into my daily schedule and daily practice as well. So Stephanie, what is lighting you up these days? What is in the works for Stephanie Torma in the future? Yes. Okay. So when I think about what lights me up and what's coming up, it's a new coaching program and podcast called Own It. Own It. So definitely stay tuned for that. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's all about personal empowerment and whether you're owning your voice, taking ownership of your body, taking ownership of buying a house, you know, whatever it is, um, I'll have guests on the show that talk about their journey to owning what is now a crucial part of their lives and their identities. And the coaching program will follow suit to help those within the program find what it is they'd like to own and own it. Awesome. We all can use more of own it, right? <laughs> I know mm-hmm. I'm owning it <laughs> today and every day. Super. Well, how can our listeners find you and find more about Stephanie Turner? Yes. So if you would like to connect with me, I would highly recommend to go to stephanietoma.com slash coaching, and you can sign up for a free one-on-one call, sort of a strategy session to see what it would be like to work together. And then if you're interested in virtual events, I'll be posting those and sharing those on my social media. So I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stephanie Toma and then Instagram, Instagram.com slash Stephanie M Toma. And I also have an email newsletter. Also, I have a confidence freebie that you can get by going to stephanietoma.com slash freebie. In that freebie is kind of a little bit of an overview of what we talked about with a few extras. Super. We'll make sure you all check out Stephanie Toma on her website, get that book. That's going to help you go so, so very far. Oh, yeah. Confident Introvert is on Amazon. And if you Google it, it's on other places too. 
Okay, awesome. So Amazon, Amazon, I love Amazon. It's my favorite. But find her. She's all over the internet. Find her, find her, find her, and transform your life. Transform. It doesn't have to be so hard. Use her to help you overcome all the challenges that you are experiencing and get to the other end, get to the other side, and experience the success that you are destined to experience and achieve in your life the easy way, right? The easy way. And Stephanie can certainly help you do that. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I wish you well, and I will be looking you up for more. Thank you so much for the tips. Yes. Thank you, Christy, so much. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend, And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.